Hey everyone, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by the good folks at Chocograms. You know them, you love them, and if you haven't tried them yet, now's the perfect time because you listen to this show, you can get 15% off your very first order. And you could order a DIY bark kit, you go white chocolate, you go milk chocolate, you go dark chocolate, you want to get in the fall feeling? You could do some pumpkin spice action. You want to drop a ball of chocolate into a hot cup of water that will melt into delicious, delicious hot chocolate type things. What they well, call they a have choco that too. bomb. That's right. It's a choco bomb. They call them a pumpkin and spice. And it is. This, this yeah, it is the season, Andy. It is pumpkin spice season. I hope. How are you celebrating your pumpkin spice season? Um, I'm. I, I spread a little pumpkin spice all around the house. You know, sure. kind of as yeah. a as a ritual. You just, just sort of wake up and uh, <laughs> sprinkle it about. Hoping the great pumpkin yeah, appears. Understood. Uh, well, if you, are, if you don't have pumpkin spice to sprinkle about your home, the best way to celebrate fall <laughs> will be with the good folks at Chocograms. Uh, go to I-L-O-V-E Chocograms.com. That's I-L-O-V-E-C-H-O-C-O-G-R-A-M-S.com. And place an order. If you order with the promo code Frank Sinatra, come on, and it's your first order, you're getting yourself 15% off. And even better news uh, for a limited time, that's from October 1st to the 9th. So you're probably listening to this and you're like, oh my God, it's almost the 9th. Order quickly. Uh, they're going to donate $5 per item ordered to the Women's Rights Project uh, ACLU in honor of the late, great Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So, pretty I amazing. Mean, it's pretty terrific, and uh, so why not do something sweet and get something sweet? Thank you, Chaco Grams. Promo code again, Frank Sinatra. Come on, and that's ilovechacograms.com. Tell, tell them about the Patreon offer, Matt. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> tell them what else we have. Uh, <laughs> and for our patrons, uh, guess what? If you're in the president's circle, there's another offer. It is a special 10% off from now to the end of the year. And that promo code is sitting behind that Patreon, Patreon portal of deliciousness. So if you get your first order for 15% off with Frank Sinatra, come on. And then you're like, I got to get more. Uh, you got another you know, another code waiting for you. Another 10%. Boy, thanks, Chocograms. And thanks, us. Thank you, us. <laughs> we don't get enough thanks. And I'd like to thank one more person. I'm I just not sure who it would be. And I'm Devin Oh, that's right. Thank you, Thanks, Devin Aniral. <laughs> Here's the show. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey 
everyone. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the Alpha Quadrant's number one podcast for all things Matt and Andy. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. There he is, still quiet, sheepish, but he introduces himself every single week. Devin Ani Rall, everyone's favorite secret empath. <laughs> He's late and he ran into the room, so he was in the corner away from the mic. Actually, ran into the corridor, I guess, is more accurate. Uh, so, Andy, do you think the uh, do you think Devin Ani Rall is happy with uh, tapestry? I wish we could ask him. From from what perspective? Just as a viewer. Do you mean, did he... Does How he does Devin Ani Rall feel about this it? episode? <laughs> I mean, whatever. Well, I'll just play this. Devin Ani yeah. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Uh, certainly. It's a great episode. Wow. Devin Ani would you have them watch this episode? <laughs> and I'm Devin Ani That's not an answer. Okay, so... <laughs> He Andy, you finally you finally saw Tapestry. I'm so proud of you. I did. It's uh, uh, crazy, <laughs> crazy episode. A lot of fun. The craziest thing is Picard in a in a in a science division uniform. Yeah. And uh, with that thought in your head, let's all head to the Admirals Club. Welcome to the Admirals Club. Ah, <laughs> uh, beautiful. Yes. Um. Our first... Oh, Matt, how do they get into the episode? Well, you know, <laughs> distracted. <laughs> all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. Uh, you can say whatever you'd like about the podcast. As long as it's five stars, you will be in the Admirals Club, and uh, Andy might select yours to be read on the show. Andy, who is it this week? It's mboon 73 who writes, The worst podcast you will ever love. Yeah. Two professional writers give surprisingly low scores to their favorite sci-fi franchise <laughs> while gushing over a dead crooner. Uh, I guess <laughs> Armis is still lonely. <laughs> very succinct. Uh, that's a very uh, the second one. <laughs> good review right there. I like it. It really is. Uh, and our next one is uh, from uh, one of our friends in the Great White North, Stanyi. Um, if uh, you're in an area where, uh, or you're just even reviewing us on uh, on an app or uh, some sort of format that uh, that we can't access through uh, Apple Podcasts, send us a screenshot, and you will be in consideration. Although you'll get in the Admirals Club just by leaving the review. Uh, Stanier writes: uh, If you like Star Trek and you like to laugh. I got the podcast for you. Matt and Andy make even the worst TNG episodes enjoyable. This is the only podcast I plan to re-listen to. Wow. I would hate to re-listen to us. I can't imagine it's good news all around. Good like news? Our, like our older episodes. Again, yeah. it's not like we get more polished. Certainly not. So no. Maybe People it's wonder that early maybe on. Maybe it's the same it. thing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think at a certain point, it's about the tone. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if sure. you enjoy the tone, then that's good. If you're looking for specifics, you're probably not going to. This isn't your game. <laughs> uh, so, Andy, uh, that's it for the Admirals Club. That's it for the Admirals Club. Let's Let head us... over to the President's Circle, everyone. The United Federation of Planets Circle. 
Ah, uh, yes, it's the President's Circle. Would you like to become a member of the President's Circle? All you got to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and uh, support the show. You can join us uh, for as little as $5 a month, uh, or if you want four giant episodes of extra content every single month, you can become a President Circle member. And we like to single those folks out with uh, who might write a particularly enjoyable message uh, with uh, the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor for the week. Andy, who do we have this week? Well, first I want to right a wrong from last week. Uh, and Lieutenant Ann Chamberlain, uh, who gave us that uh, amazing uh, Moriarty parody song. Um, she is in the president's circle, it turns out, and therefore she does deserve a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, which oh I my robbed God. her of last week. Andy, you got to stop robbing rightful medal recipients of their medals. Uh, you know, I what are just you, put what are you, such a what rigorous... Are you, Princess Leia treating everybody like Chewbacca? I guess that's the, what I did. I guess she was roaring, and uh, and I was saying, "Sorry, tough luck. You're a Wookie. You don't deserve one." Tough luck. I'm gonna give this to my brother and my lover. <laughs> that's her value system. Um, this week's uh, we have one for to be awarded to uh, Lieutenant Brett LeBlond, who writes, uh, "Just wondering what your thoughts were." This is in regards to face of the enemy. Uh, on Picard's reaction to when a Romulan ship hails him and Troy is in command, compared to the time when a Romulan ship hailed him and it seemed like Tasha Yar was in command. What went through his mind? Was he thinking, not this again? <laughs> Did he consider asking Guinan if he sent Troy back in time? Could this be Troy's kid from an alternate timeline? Uh, he never even tried to confirm if Troy was whatever conference, what, uh, at whatever conference he was supposed to attend. Um, oh, that would have been a good, that would have been a little fun extra dialogue there. Like, yeah. Mr. Worf, contact blah, 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 seven and find <laughs> out where Deanna Troy is. Because right now she looks like she's on the bridge of that ship. It does seem like they took it at face value. They really and did. Then, That's David, just, you know, uh, when you when you are serving on the Enterprise, you come to expect the unexpected. So nothing can surprise you anymore. That's their slogan, expect the unexpected. <laughs> Isn't it? Although I like when the, when... Uh, the most surprised I think I've ever seen Picard on the bridge of the Enterprise yeah. is when they're in Star Trek Generations, when the Klingon Warbird or Klingon Board of Prey decloaks. Okay. Patrick Stewart does a very good what? <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, that's the most It sounds surprise. like that's too extreme for his reaction to a decloaking Warbird. Well, I mean, we just never thought we'd ever see it. And, yeah, uh, you know, out of nowhere, all of a sudden it's the Dora sisters. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, boy. Those Dora <laughs> sisters. Uh, Lieutenant David also tags onto the end of Brett LeBond's uh, comment. Wait, Tasha Yar? Tal Shiar? <gasps> Whoa. And that's it for the uh, Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. If you want to open up the Priority One messages. I uh, sure if you... don't. Just kidding. <laughs> You got, you got me, buddy. Priority got one me. message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right, Andy. Uh, who is using their President Circle membership for good by hailing us this week? Well, I'll tell you. And if you would like to uh, get your Priority One messages looked at first and given Priority One access to the hail bag, uh, just join the Patreon. Uh, as well as we're doing two Enterprises this month and two Voyagers. So those will be your bonus content. Uh, Lieutenant 
Neil Studd writes, I went through all the TNG shooting scripts and I could find only one other instance of a character saying, and I'm, insert name here, uh, a la, and I'm <laughs> Devanani Rall. And coincidentally, it's in Tapestry, straight after the credits, <laughs> boring footnote, the line is uh, the line in the price is scripted as, and I am Devanani Rall. Guess he's as much a fan of contractions <laughs> as inappropriate mind reading. I love it. Well, Interesting. I so he became it. he became legendary on the TNC program with just his own improv spin. spin. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Uh, Lieutenant Andrew Gibson writes us, these Enterprise chumps keep getting kidnapped or screwed over by Romulans. Geordi has been captured twice, Picard and Data once, Worf's parents were killed by them, and now Troy got nabbed. No wonder they're all such racists. Uh, probably not the best crew for resolving delicate diplomatic situations. Uh, I, I Look, no one on that ship uh, seems to care for the Romulans, even though Geordi became best friends with the defector. But, you know, not long after that, they brainwashed him into murdering someone. So They also had the def that def that prior defector, the one that wasn't as dweeby, uh, come on board. And uh, that didn't seem to affect their opinion of the Romulans very much either. I mean, what about when they tricked the Vulcan, they tricked everybody with the Vulcan ambassador who was actually Romulan? That's true. Those Romulans. So trickeries. <laughs> Trickiest trickinies. They are the trickinies. No nope. trickalies. <laughs> uh, Eric Peebles writes us. Uh, oh, this is we were talking about loaded weapon, and then a <laughs> lot sure of people were, wrote in yes. <laughs> talking about basically all the uh, Star Trek uh, alumni are in there. Loaded weapon. Oh, I didn't. I didn't send you this. Here we go. This is. I'm uh, sending something to Matt to play. Um, this is uh, Loaded Weapon also featured one James Doohan as Scotty, the chief espresso engineer. There's no your case with a suicide. Coffee? No thanks. Cappuccino? Espresso? Hey, Scotty, can you get this machine to work? I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. If I push it any harder, the whole thing will blow. <laughs> real to the point bit i do, mean do look <laughs> if you're just if you're gonna do it go all out that's awesome and then steve coon reminded us also that william shatner appeared as general mortars and Whoopi goldberg was in it too really, um, a regular regular paramount pictures uh tour de force there was that a paramount movie i don't know Somebody definitely was a Trek fan, that's for sure. Uh, Lieutenant Noah Smith writes us, what if every episode Troy is inexplicably not in, uh, she's on some different undercover mission? This is my headcanon. I, look, I don't... If they ever introduced that Troy was somehow secretly in, in Section 31, I would not be mad at it. That would explain a lot of absences. <laughs> Frankly... It should be useful, you would think, if she's really got those empathic abilities. That should have been something they did. I guess they were... Uh, the, part of the problem is I think that they're always trying to keep Troy sort of moral about her abilities. And as a result, it makes her less useful in terms of battle situations or manipulation. So what are you going to do? I don't know. Um, she seemed to have no problem getting that freighter blown up. They're lying. Yeah. 
Well, she didn't. She didn't. Pew know pew pew. Gonna, she didn't. She sure, she didn't. Sure, she couldn't read his emotions right next to him. Oh, that's a really good point. <laughs> um, she also did give that uh, they're lying, and then she winked at him like, so you know what to do. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, um, nudge. <laughs> Lieutenant Daniel Fashing writes, uh, one ping only, please. <laughs> Keeping with the Red October theme, uh, I'm going to potentially torpedo the greatness of this episode by bringing up an issue that's nagged at me for a while now. A lot of people wrote in it with variations of this. Does Troy speak Romulan? I'm of a mind she doesn't. I'm pretty sure the Romulan Universal Translator doesn't miraculously give people the ability to speak the lingo. Oh, that's To that end, Troy's cover is blown from the get-go, and the mission is over before it begins. One would think the underground would try to find a Starfleet officer that can speak Romulan. Did Simon Tarsus's career survive drumhead? And then Mark C., clarifies the universal translator is an implant it's accessible through the air at least it is it is according but according to a ds9 episode that's true but the voice that comes out i don't think it sounds different per person of the universal translator how do you mean i think everyone sounds like siri do you know what i mean well aren't we hearing what they hear in the show no yes no i mean no i mean i will say a lot of people also wrote in saying like but do does it lip sync to your lips like does it change the lips because you're the things your mouth would be making different uh... it, it, it shouldn't and i think it's a good point but i'm actually gonna go ahead and say that troy can speak romulan why wouldn't she study linguistics it's fair Unlike Uhura, who in Star Trek Six has to fumble about for Klingon, that makes no sense. Oh, that's unfortunate. Did it they really do that? Is. Oh, I don't remember. Yes, that. they did that. Yeah, that's weird. Um, this is what you what you should do if you got a show like this, and I'm giving this as a note to myself. If I ever have a show like this, look for the basic skill of the character, the basic traits of the character. And then extrapolate what would be the coolest extrapolation of that and give it to them. <laughs> um, and like Uhura, it's like 100%. She should know every language. I think that I think uh, the Zoe Zeldana one is an expert at languages. Uh, I think that regular Uhura should have been also. I agree. Um, Lieutenant uh, Sarah Stefansi's uh writes us i want to know what the uh, at, at what point the Ro- romulans and kardashians got together dacians dacians oh did it i did it again fyi i was thinking about i have face blindness i have name blindness i have pun blindness at what point am i just an idiot blindness. <laughs> he's got so many blindnesses Maybe you just, a point maybe you just do, need a new prescription, and then you suddenly I do have to. It's possible. I have, able to like read. It's more of a brain issue. No, than it's a, look, it's all visual. <laughs> I you can know? see. Yeah, I guess so. You know, you're reading Kardashian, but you're saying Kardashian. Maybe that's what your brain sees. Maybe you just. I'm need not a new mocking people with dyslexia. How do you know if you're dyslexic? If there's a test anyone wants to send me, feel free. <laughs> You'd it'd be much more difficult for you to read. I would know already. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'm just a dummy. You're just. Um, I, I mean, I think part of your brain, whatever part of your brain processes speech and images, is lazy. Yeah. Fair enough. I think when you try, you can do it. 
So you're just saying my brain is lazy. I'm saying you're a little bit lazy. <laughs> Um, anyway, I want to know at what point the Romulans and Cardassians got together and discussed drinkware. Uh, it was saying? probably I like the same. A, uh, a, a, a beta quadrant, uh, you know, maybe it was like, maybe it was like the same Ferengi craftsperson manufactured the Ikea of, of cups and maybe sold it's them like, throughout the galaxy. Fascist architecture always tends to be similar, and fascist propaganda always looks the same. So maybe it's the same with drinkware. I mean, the reality is, let's just be honest. The prop master decided that uh, oh, these look fine. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the great and terrible Lizak writes us: candy corn is shale. <laughs> not, not a fan of candy. I just corn. use candy corn. I just use shale as in a sentence to Andy earlier. He he did just before, just for the podcast, unrelated to this. Um. And I responded with something about the oversight. Uh, Lieutenant Brandon Davis writes us, Andy, I need uh, Matt to help me with the Troy beam-out sequence. Enterprise raises shields right after this, the fake disruptive blast. Uh, we do not get back to the Enterprise until Troy is beamed aboard. Can Enter- Enterprise beam someone away uh, from an unshielded ship when their shields are up? Also, maybe Tarsus in, is Section 31's first double agent. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I, it's never been explicitly said in any dialogue that I can remember. Maybe someone can correct me, but you can pull, you can take down a grid of shields. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe they took a grid down and beamed her through the grid, like through the open spot in the in the shield. Do you know what I mean? You can take down a grid. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, you have starboard, you have rear, you have port, you have, you know, there are many. But I feel like if that's true, shields, then you can. Then they, it wouldn't be a recurring issue about beaming people in or about lowering the shields. You would just no, lower no, no. a shield like But you adapt. think about it. Think about it. Yeah. Often that, that conundrum is, is getting someone off of a certain ship. You're saying that it's that their shields are up. Yeah. Uh huh. Much like when the Enterprise's shields are up and you have no way to tell them to drop them, you can't beam onto the Enterprise. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. That's well, just, I'm certainly that's a not... headcanon. That's a little headcanon for you. That's no, that's not really a ever established thing. I don't think that was headcanon corner. Oh um, boy, not a bad jingle to ask for. Jingle it up. We'll never use it, <laughs> but we'll we'll think. Oh, we should have used it. There's one thing that he must understand. If we add more music to this podcast, there will be no space in it to talk. <laughs> Thank you, Nacho. Nacho. Uh, that's it for the priority one messages. Let's uh, step out into the corridor, if okay, we will. Okie dokie. Captain, incoming message. Incoming message. It's hails. It's not incoming message. Um, but that was can- given to us for the same section of the show. In my mind, incoming message. Captain, we are being hailed. You're, you're, in your mind, you it was it. it was for it was for a thing it's, that we would randomly get in the middle. It would of the be show. for you know I had one that I was going to use in the middle of the show where it's like oh 
if there's a message, but it's just coming in in the middle of the show, then like, oh, this is a hail that actually applies oh, well, to this. Well, then that's up to you to make that happen. All right. All right. Uh, well, yeah, but you're at the... You know, well, you the, know, when you say, oh, we have an incoming hail, oh, okay. now I'll know what right. to hit. All right, you got it. Um, Joshua Perus, um, also known as Juniper. I'm sorry if you didn't want to have your name said, but it didn't say that. Uh, I like your nickname. He says, uh, I wanted to get this into you guys before you recorded your Tapestry episode. Uh, oh, this was... Uh, you did the, it. Congratulations. Uh, I really wanted to use this song the moment I remembered Tapestry was next. I hope you like it. So this was the what is in today's... Um, yeah, and I'm going to have to not see it, just hear it. Because uh, I don't I don't know that I can play it anywhere that you would be able to hear it. Unless I do it here. Oh, you can't hear it? Uh, no, hang on. I can do it if I uh, put. I can this also save it for next week. If you app. Hang on, I'm just. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta, I gotta I'm not pressuring. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta I'm do just some. Gotta, I'm just trying to make I gotta it easy for you. Gotta do some uh, finagling. Just trying to talk at the same time. Here we time go. As I'm gonna turn working. the finder on, and then I think I can maybe do it. Let's see if that is accurate. It's like watching Scotty work on the. Can you the espresso machine? Can you hear it? Because I can't. I can't either. Okay. But I'm sure it's delightful. I've already listened to it. Mm, hmm, hmm, hmm. Okay, okay. We Let can go see. on to the next hang one. Hang on, hang on. I think okay. I can do this. <laughs> okay. Really, you know, I just gotta just... Okay, let's see. Let's it's see really if, like let's taking see you guys behind the scenes. It's a, it's, it's a great BTS. I got it, I got Struck it. by a lethal blow. <laughs> little hope for survival. So it's Picard shots and journeys to the other side. <laughs> just slow motion him looking around <laughs> what the white room <laughs> just just I wish he just looped that that turn constantly like he just turned for the rest of the did he do that so I'll put this up on our Twitter account on the operating table <laughs> <laughs> he put the uh, he put the the old uh, the naked now naked, naked now laugh. I'm, la- I'm, la- I'm very loud. I'm sorry, everybody. He put the naked now laugh in there. Um, and then uh, and then Kelly Newman uh sent one in also. Uh, hi, man, Andy. Here's my take on this madness. And where's that, Andy? That one. Oh, sorry. That's the link I sent you in the gotcha. chat. The second one. It began as a mission about a wormhole thing. <laughs> Counselor Deanna Troy. And I'm Devin Aniral. <laughs> but became something more personal. I haven't been able to stop thinking about you all day. An all-new Star Trek The Next Generation. That's, that's fantastic. Really, really well done. That is delightful thank you so, so much thank for you kelly that. newman Je- thank you uh juniper i really appreciate um, you going through the effort of doing that dumb thing i wanted to do <laughs> feel free to send in your fake emotional trailers of tng or whatever star trek has episode. to be cut to a terrible pop song everyone um this is from sam l uh rendezvous question mark a lot of people wrote to us saying they enjoyed the run on rendezvous and the dissection of 
that actor is a confused statement. <laughs> um, to me, uh, but, but some people did theorize this. To me, it sounds like the actor was actually playing his role very well and felt he was uh, trying to remember the correct words. Keep in mind, his character was living in Romulan space for 20 years. He has probably spoken Romulan exclusively for 15 of those Interesting. years. Interesting. I like it. Coming on board, uh, the Enterprise is probably the first time he's used English that entire time, so some words are going to be hard to remember. Why not just speak Romulan? It's less likely Picard or the Enterprise crew would appreciate that. Uh, oh, sorry. Why, why not just speak Romulan? It's less likely the uh, Picard or the Enterprise crew would appreciate that, and it would be harder to trust. And of course, he's not going to speak English in Romulan space. I think it was a very good example of specific acting. Thanks. Not yet a president, but soon. <laughs> uh, Sam Lovejoy. Thank Sam, you, just Sam. FYI, you won't be a president. You're just going to join. I mean, president. that's almost a prime director. We appreciate it. Um, uh, that's a theory. Yeah. It's not a... Uh, However, we do have a couple of prime correctives if you want to hit the theme. All right. Well, hurry up because I have eight minutes before I have to be at a table read. No problem. Uh, where is the, where the, the prime corrective? Here we go. Hello, Matt and Andy. It's listener Eric. That's, that's an old prime corrective that is labeled as prime collective. Co- collective? Corrective. Uh, where is that sound? Guys, when you filled up a soundboard because of it's the ridiculous... It's a prime corrective. Come on, Andy, got it wrong. This is from the Dude Never Bowls. And uh, the dude says, uh, I'm not sure what show you talked about, uh, Matrix 4, but I just wanted to point out that Lily, Lily Wachowski is not involved. This is all Lana. Oh, so they're, they're, they're going at it. I wonder if Lily was like, no, we already did that. <laughs> yeah. Or... Or if Lil, if she, if she, she really spearheaded, reloaded, it was like, why would you go back? <laughs> and then Lily was like, uh, like, all right, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. You're on your own on this. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, look, I like information. That's almost a prime corrective. Um. Uh. Okay. Uh, oh, and then the last thing is a face face uh, group. Oh, that's the end. I just have ends, guys. I don't know what to do. (laughs) All right. Well, there's another one. Um, Lieutenant Commander Kyle Barker ran a poll. I thought you'd be interested in this. Uh, who does the uh, TNC comics. I think it's TNC.comics on Instagram. Please check it out. They're hilarious. Um, He ran an election that was... He says, this, the only election that matters in 2020, let's settle this once and for all. Winner gets the claim on the president. And Matt, the election was uh, a Myra Jellico ticket versus a Secunda Moriarty ticket. Oh, my God. Those are, those are <laughs> due to our recent arguments. I feel like Secunda Moriarty would be a lot more fun to live under. Uh, but, I mean, Myra Jellico certainly would be more organized and, uh, and oppressive. Um, so, so, uh, it was very interesting to watch because, uh, uh, really, I, as far as I could see, they were never, Myra and, Myra was always about five votes ahead, almost the entire time. There was one time when Secunda Moriarty got close. You know, who the and five, I will say, the five votes are probably Delta Shift. 
<laughs> I'm sure it's for those, those, those five people. And I, uh, and I, uh, you know, I, I posted a couple of things cause, uh, cause, um, um, Kyle Barker gave me a great, uh, political poster and uh and people accused me correctly of electioneering which i definitely was i were totally slanted posts um uh, but i will say in the end it is myra jellico 173 votes secunda moriarty 170 votes i concede this election uh matt you are officially the president i mean i can't believe you are conceding i would probably drag this through a lot of courts before you should concede <laughs> yes we haven't gotten the hail in ballots yet so uh, uh, who knows? <laughs> all right um a lot of people wrote a lot of funny things so check it out in the face group under that post is that it um that is it. We crossed the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Oh, thank you, Nacho. It is time to talk about Tapestry, which aired the week of February 15th, just after Valentine's Day, 1993. Stardate unknown. Andy, what was happening at this unknown stardate with the rest of the world? Matt, love was in the air, and love was on the airwaves. The number one song in the U.S. continued to be I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. The number one song in the U.K., No Limit by Two Unlimited. I have no idea. Uh, The number one movie, Groundhog Day. Nice. That's a goodie. Uh, oh, it came out. Book. It came out in February for Groundhog Day. Clever. Oh, of course, smart. You have to, right? Sure. Um, you know, it's a it's a battleground to this day. The the Groundhog Day box office. <laughs> sure. Who's gonna win Groundhog Day? <laughs> That's when Lucas always wanted to open the Star Wars. Um, number one book, Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. Um, number one TV show that week, the miniseries Queen, starring Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Um, first that week, Victoria Justice, Nickelodeon's Victorious. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I'm not familiar. Are you familiar? Uh, I, yeah, I've seen, uh, I'm familiar with it because it shot uh, next to us at uh, Hollywood Center Studios when we were doing it at midnight. Oh, there you go. Uh, in events, uh, Elton John is forced to end a concert in Melbourne, Australia with a when a swarm of grasshoppers cover the stage. Oh, boy. That is not a good omen <laughs> when locusts swarm your concert. <laughs> I know it's not. Bugs so are weird. So true. Let's do a segment. Uh, remember that? Remember that the Yankees uh, Cleveland game that happened a while ago? Is it the playoffs and uh, and all the, all the all the flies were around? I don't remember that. Oh, that was that, what happened. That was what wild. did they do? Did they uh, you know just they hang just around? played through it and uh, you know lots of bug sprays. Uh huh. There must have been a lot of bees in sports over time. Uh, you know, I can't really think of a time when there were a lot of bees. I don't know why Whitney Houston is singing behind our bee discussion. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will always love bees. We will. Bees, you know, bees are, are uh, hopefully making a comeback. Uh, when the bees, when <laughs> Let's the, hope so. When the bees die, we all die. Uh, but speaking of uh, A's, as in an A-plus singer, it's time for Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Come on, everybody's favorite segment. Frank Sinatra, come on. 
time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> for Frank Sinatra, come on. Oh, yes. Andy, tell us. What was the chairman of the board up to for Valentine's Day 1993? Uh, I'll tell you, Matt. Uh, still no news on Frank's whereabouts this week. Uh, you know, honestly, Laying low. I gotta say, Laying low. Uh, our good friend Ken Molay, who, uh, Lieutenant Commander Ken Molay, who, uh, prepares all these for us um it really illustrates what an amazing job he has done every other week and not that he hasn't done a good job coming up with information this week but it really shows i wouldn't even begin to know where to look to find out what frank sinatra was doing on a specific day in the early 90s he's had an unbreak broken chain of success until now this counts as success to me because this tells me frankie's relaxing taking a load off well, he's got some information about him anyway. He says, uh, well, uh, so since there's still no uh, news on Frank's whereabouts this week, we'll jump back into the planning for that year's album of duets. Frank insisted that he record his parts alone and that his duet partners could overlay their vocals on his work later. I'm not waiting for done. no one to sing with me. <laughs> we're going to go in me. there. Jerry, they we're harmonize gonna, with this guy. Jerry, we're going in there. We're going to cut them all right now. We'll be done in 45 minutes. Um, as Cindy Lauper had done on Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Ooh, a Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Cindy Lauper and Frank? Ugh, that's got to be great. We talked about uh, this last week. Cap- Why are you now fascinated by it? <laughs> did you play it last week? No, but we discussed it, and you weren't. You didn't have the fascination you do now. That was a different Andy. Listen, you know, he hadn't hit as many bumps in the road as he has now. You know, I look back on a simpler time when Cindy Lauper can do a duet with Frank about Santa Claus. Uh, Capital agreed and booked their famous Studio A where Frank had recorded many times. Look, I'm last week blind, okay, Matt? <laughs> um, they hired an orchestra and rehearsed the old Nelson Riddle arrangements of Frankie's hits. Next week, we'll hear how the recordings went. <laughs> you doing the Lord's work, Ken. <laughs> I love it. He's, he's parsing out our information about Frank's soul, uh, duet album because Frank <laughs> was just hanging out in Palm Springs. Sure. You know what, Ken? If you want at some point to just surmise based on your constant research, that's also if fine. If you had to guess what <laughs> Frank was up to, let me know. Uh, read a Hayworth go she pass <laughs> i always think of uh phil hartman doing frank sinatra on the snl for the talk show yeah when frank sinatra had a talk show when it was phil hartman yeah, yeah and like the question he poses to the panel is uh hey god no rita hayworth who would you rather i've done them both <laughs> uh, she effect. passed on 87 so she wasn't around at this oh. point was she with Ava Gardner at this point. Or was he with neither? It seems like Frank's the kind of guy who would have gotten divorced a lot. I feel like Frank was with the... Uh, wasn't, wasn't he with his longtime wife at this point? I feel like Frank was very monogamous in the 70s and 80s. Or should I say, uh, or should I say in his 70s and 80s? Uh, uh, let's see. And Andy's, Marriages. Nancy Barbado. Then Ava Gardner, then Mia Farrow. That that was unconfirmed, right? Or no, they were in a relationship, I believe. Oh, really? So she was an ex when she was with Woody. She was an ex of Frank's. I, I, one would assume. So they or theoretically, and then they yeah. also say. So. But then you see Ronan in those beautiful blue right. eyes, and you're like, oh, those blue eyes. No. That's mine. That's my kid. 
No one's born um, with blue eyes unless Frankie was in there. Um, and the last one was Barbara Marks. Oh, I thought he was with Rita Hayworth at some point. I guess I made that up. Must have been Ava Gardner. Um, and uh, she, he married her on, in 76, and she lived to 2000. Oh, no, wait. That's, yeah, 2017. Wow. So I guess they were together. Way to go, Mrs. Leanne. Sinatra. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to Tapestry, uh, directed by Les Landau, written by Ronald D. Moore. This is from Larry Nemechek, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion, revised edition. After being gravely wounded by terrorists during a diplomatic mission, Picard awakens in a white limbo to find Q, his old nemesis, announcing that the captain's official heart has failed him. And he, Q, is in fact God. Though Picard scoffs at that, he cannot deny the regrets he feels about his rambunctious youth, years, uh, youth, younger years, and wishes that he could change them. Instantly, Q whisks him back to the eve of the one of his life's biggest turning points, the fight where a fresh-faced ensign just before shipping out was stabbed through the heart during a brawl with three large Nausicans. Determined to change history, Picard avoids the situation which caused the fight. Q returns to him and presents... uh, Sorry, returns to the present and presents... I'm sorry, I'm reading this horribly. Q returns him to the present once he escapes injury, where Picard finds himself a junior lieutenant in astrophysics, bluntly told by Riker and Troy that he plays it too safe to have a chance at command. Pleading with his old foe, Picard begs Q to let him relive the fight so that he can die rather than live that new dreary life. History is reset. The fight ensues. Picard again falls to the Nausicans until he comes back. Uh, he comes to back in Nausicans. Nausicans? What? Uh, recovering from his wounds and actually grateful to Q for his new insight there you go that is ladies and gentlemen the plot Uh, let's jump in great cold open here we go bring the stasis units in here and have them online tell Dr. Salar she can use ward 3 for the ambulatory Dr. Salar Andy in the house. Doctor. Acknowledge, stand clear ready. <laughs> Love it. All right, let's go, let's go. Oh, he did have his phaser out. What happened? Oh, yeah, I thought you knew. attacked us outside of the conference room. He's in cardiac arrest. Connect the pulmonary support unit. He's got internal hemorrhaging. The bioregulator of his artificial heart has been fused. He's got liver and spleen damage. What kind of weapon caused this? A compressed Terion beam. 40 cc's and a probe line. Look at how sad Worf is that he let this happen. Look, this is what we always see Worf doing. A little late to the game. Yeah. You know? I'm glad it was no different when we weren't watching. Because he's a pacifist. He didn't want to get involved in the anger. Uh... So, what did you? First of all, did you go? Oh my God! It's a Q episode without Q in the title. <laughs> no, but that really is. I wonder if that was a decision of like, no, we don't want to tip it. His reveal is so too great. Yeah, but then like we'll show a trailer. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a really good point. Um, I really the uh, uh, you'll all be delighted to know 
the, I've come so full circle on you. <laughs> the bits they write for him and his delivery in this episode. Like, this guy is just having a... John Delancey is just having a ball. And they are giving him such... I mean, so many so many of the jokes are so silly. But they're so perfect for this character. I, and, um, I just, and him saying that he's God is like perfection. I, I can't believe it, everybody. We knew it would happen. We didn't know how long it would take. But it took to season six... Episode yep. 15 for Andy to finally come around on cue. He did not believe us when I said earlier in our run that he would actually come to enjoy Q. No. And here he is, finally, enjoying Q. There's a couple of just really solid Q episodes in a row. Not in a row, but... Uh, well, I mean, season six, we, he was just... Didn't we just have him, like, yeah, five episodes ago? What is going on? I told you. You're dead. This is the afterlife. And I'm God. You are not God. Blasphemy. You're lucky I don't cast you out or smite you or something. The bottom line is, your life ended about five minutes ago under the inept ministrations of Dr. Beverly Crusher. No. Beverly wouldn't have lost I'm me. I'm not dead. <laughs> because I refuse to believe that the afterlife is run by you. The universe is not so badly designed. <laughs> it's a <Very> great line. <laughs> if you really require more evidence of your post-mortem status, I guess I'll just have to provide you some. Jean-Luc, I told you not to go running off to that academy. Father. I told you that Starfleet <laughs> would bring you to a bad end. But you wouldn't listen. Now look at you. He's a good Dead choice for the father. Before your time. Because he's bald, just like his brother. And I mean, him. that's how you know they're related. I'd be like, I don't buy it. Oh, he's bald. I buy it. <laughs> no, he's got... Actually, it's because he kind of has the same face as the brother. And he looks a little bit like Picard, mm. independent of the baldness. Cue enough of this. Enough what? Why couldn't enough you of this. have listened? He loves that. Imagine that. Imagine if that's what it's like in the afterlife. It's just your parents still so, berating you for whatever the oh hell. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like, be. but like, it's a long line of parents. So like, the, your parents are berating you. Before them is their parents berating them, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And you're just in an infinite loop of parents berating their children. It's certainly a good way to burn off sins. For disappointing you. <laughs> yeah. Don't you know that I was Someday you'll be rejoined with the people that critiqued you. <laughs> And you'll have to answer each one individually. Best <laughs> interests. Q, stop this. After all these years, even now, you manage to disappoint me, Jean-Luc. He's not the only one who would like to have a word with you. Why, Jean-Luc? Why did you do it? Captain, there are still people down there. We can't abandon. There must be some other way, Captain. Some other choice in firing. I'm warning you. If you continue on this course, direct hit, sir. The ship is destroyed. Lieutenant, the guards to the bridge. These are the voices of all the people you've killed throughout the years. Whom I've killed. I do. I wish they had like gone back into previous episodes of Star Trek, like one or two, just to pull lines. From yeah, I'm surprised. To him, no Tasha in there. <laughs> No Tasha and no Armis. No. Can't believe it. Uh, 
I do think I think Picard does come around rather quickly, but I guess he has no reason not to. Do you know what I mean? Comes around quickly in what sense? To the idea that Q is being truthful. That he's dead? Yes. And that Q uh, and then Q is in fact God. I don't think he thinks Q is God, but I think he does start to believe that he's... It's it's interesting, their relationship is such, and of course it's useful for the writing of the show, that he believes at least, and I think it generally bears out to be true, that Q has some kind of code where he's not an outright liar, like he'll say things that are kind of, you know, sardonic statements that he assumes Picard isn't going to believe. So he trusts Q more than he trusts Moriarty. I I think that's true. (laughs) I think he does trust Q more than he trusts Moriarty, which shows what a fan of Sherlock Holmes this guy is. Can't get around his perspective of who Moriarty is, even more than this real-life being that... uh, (laughs) That has already tried to destroy him and his crew several times. Apology or regret? I believe they're all listening. They're a surly bunch, actually, so I wouldn't drag this out too long. I have no intention of performing for your amusement. This is not for me, this is for you, Jean-Luc. This is your opportunity to make peace with your sordid past. I find it hard to believe that you are doing this for the benefit of my soul. Well, now that you've shuffled off the mortal coil, we're free to spend a little time together. A little time together. How much? Eternity. Now, you're sure you have no regrets or feelings of guilt about your former life? I mean, I can't have you whining and complaining through time. If I'm really dead, then my only regret is dying and finding you here. You wound me, Jean-Luc. Zing! After all, I was not the cause of your death. This was. What is that? Your artificial heart. He might have lived if you had a real one, instead of this unreliable piece of technology. We never knew about this before, did we? Yes, we did. The show? Oh, we did. And the Samaritan Snare. Remember when Wesley takes uh, Picard to that starbase for the medical procedure? Is that the one where it's... Oh, no, I'm thinking of Shades of Grey. It's to fix his artificial heart. And, and right. he, but he doesn't and he comes go under to, and have a bunch of flashbacks. That's Shades no. of Grey. No, but and remember he Riker. he comes to and it was uh it was uh, yeah. Pulaski who did the surgery and he was so annoyed right, right, right. at that fact. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he didn't want his crew to know that he had a fake heart. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I like I, I do I do like the bit of continuity, <laughs> and of course the laughing and obviously. And he finally knows where play Dom Jot human comes from. <laughs> um, here's my question about the laughing. Yeah. Matthew. Is this a time loop situation where he is laughing in that moment because he has reached the end of this episode, even in the past? Well, I'm confused. What At are the you end saying? of this episode. Yeah, he's laughing because he's coming through because he was just experiencing this moment. Yes. So at the end of his episodes, he's laughing because he's returned to his previous timeline and his life is going to be back the same. No, that's not. It's not because. That's why the end of this. Ep- that's why he's laughing at the end of this episode. Disagree. I think he's laughing at the end of this episode because he is experiencing the same feeling he had when he was stabbed through the heart, looked down and saw the knife coming out and he was laughing. Wait, aren't you? 
Oh, you're saying that he was laughing, but then why was he laughing in this scenario? Because what I'm saying is... He was laughing originally for the same reason he laughs at the end of the episode. But I guess I'm saying, I think the reason he's, unless you're, you're agreeing with me, I'm saying the reason he's laughing at the end of the episode is he doesn't want to be some lieutenant junior grade and now his life is being returned to him. No. In, yeah. No. Okay. It's the whole thing of like, you have a dream where you're, you know, chewing on something and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're chewing on your pillow. Uh-huh. It's that. It's that. But, he's just, but laughing. Like, He's laughing at the irony of the same thing happened. No, he's not laughing. He's not. I think it's. I think he's experiencing it in the moment. The stabbing. Okay. And then he's. And then as he's waking up, he he was just experiencing it, and he was just laughing. What I'm saying is, in the past, when he gets stabbed through the heart, he is laughing because he's happy that his life is being returned to him. Is my theory. Oh, you're saying that this loop was continuous? That's what I'm, oh. I'm theorizing. Mm. So that even originally when we said, because honestly, there's no real reason for him to be laughing that he was stabbed by a Nausicaan unless he's having something positive happen out of it. No, I think people, you it's, it's, it's the reaction of things. Like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those, I like it because it's, sometimes people react to things strangely. And the shock, I mean, the shock of that knife coming through your chest from the other side and the warm feeling that you probably got and his body just involuntarily laughed. I mean, I I accept it, but to me it makes more sense that there's a motivation for it and the motivation we see at the end of the episode. So you think this always happened? Possibly. Interesting. I don't care for it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And did I hear a laugh? It's so unlike you, Jean-Luc, to have a sense of humor, especially about getting stabbed through the back. I was a different person in those days, arrogant, undisciplined, with far too much ego, far too little wisdom. I was more like you. Then you must have been far more interesting. Pity you had to change. The pity is that I had to be impaled through the back before I learned that lesson. I started that fight with those Norsicans. I started it because... because I was young and cocky. If I'd been more responsible in those days, I wouldn't have needed this heart. And I wouldn't have died from a random energy surge 30 years later. So... If you had to do it all over again? Things will be different. Oh, but there he is. He's an old young man. He is an old young man. Also, what horrible friends he has. That woman was obviously upset, and they're clapping. Like, I guess, like, (laughs) wait till she's left the room to make fun of your friend. Don't start like don't add insult to that poor woman's like feelings. They are all a bunch of dicks. They're bastards. (laughs) (laughs) They start laughing and clapping. Bravo. I guess theoretically, they're they're 
laughing at him getting they are they are put in his place sure but also does that woman know that no that's true i mean they're just the worst these two (laughs) Cordy. Cordy as well yes boy she must have hit you pretty hard of course you deserved it slowing down there johnny you should have seen that one coming okay so i have a matt i have on this an incoming message. Oh my God! It's never been done. Captain, incoming message. Thank God we rehearsed this. <laughs> I think we've done this. Um, uh, and I thought it was interesting. And I did. I did read this hail before I watched the episode, which was what Tess Berg, who sent it, wanted. Um, hi, Andy, and possibly Matt. You got him, Tess. Uh, I love the episode ta- Tapestry, but many years ago, I learned that the actor playing Marta had turned 17 years old just three months before the episode aired. Um, Sir Patrick was 52 at the time. Why in heavens would they cast a teenager, a child under the law, when there was a kissing scene and an implied sexual scene involving a man more than three times her age? Was there no actor in all of Hollywood who is at least a legal adult who could play the, the role? The actor, J.C. Brandy, did a fine job. It doesn't change. But it makes the whole thing feel so creepy, and not just by today's standards. It was creepy uh, as soon as I found out, and that was probably more than 15 years ago. I get that Picard is reliving his younger life, but the actor uh, playing their other friend, Corey, was 29. So just how old are these characters supposed to be? Uh, I felt like you guys needed to know this up front. If you didn't know this and have already watched the episode, try watching it again uh, and, and see if knowing this colors things, colors spelled in British fashion, uh, things differently uh, for you. It makes me so uncomfortable. And Mars, an otherwise stellar episode. Uh, and then she also adds, I love the pet corner adventures of Omar and Bo. Uh, I don't believe Omar would never eat a paper towel. Um, you don't know. So, Tess, uh, thanks for what you do. It is appreciated, Tess. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, it, you know, I noticed it before she sent that email, obviously. I've seen this episode many times, and I did always think, uh, I was always like, oh, there's no logical way, based on the premise that they've established, for us to cut to younger Picard. So we're stuck with this. Because you got to have Patrick Stewart in the episode? Yeah, you got to have Patrick Stewart doing that scene because no other place do we see... um, No other place do we see young Picard than in Q's heaven. I'm not following. Sorry. Like, I wanted them to cut away. I wanted it to become the young guy before the kiss happened. So it wouldn't right. look weird, but they, then I was like, well, logically, there's no reason to do that because Picard looks like Picard to himself in Q, and we're following the story through Picard's eyes. Well, right. Well, they, once they've established it, what are you going to do? I mean, theoretically, you could do a Rascals thing where he becomes young Picard in the past or it's yeah, him but watching putting and a lot in some way. on that actor. On the guest actor. That's true. Although we did it with Rascals, and that kid did pretty good. But whatever the case, I think more of the point or more of the the question that I agree with Tess is, my sense, Letourneau seems older. Most of these Starfleet cadets seem like they're in their mid to late 20s. Um, And obviously, you know... I just don't understand. She Why would you? Uh, she she didn't look. She didn't, not only pick someone older, not pick someone legal. Like, what's going on? She didn't read that young to me. 
Like I didn't. No, I didn't think she, she wouldn't have strike, struck me that way. I don't know. If it was it? Could it have been? It couldn't have been an oversight, right? They must have known. I don't think they they can't put age on anything. When you cast somebody in Hollywood, you cannot do that. Don't you have to? No. Sign. In fact, you. No? In fact, Screen Actors Guild expressly prohibits that based on them not wanting to have age discrimination. So if it's not a sexual, if it's not a sex scene, like there's no nudity or anything like that, yeah, this is not something she'd have to disclose. Right. So I'm assuming, and, and maybe this helps her with her viewing of the episode, I'm assuming that uh, her manager or her agent submitted her for the part. She read for it and she got the part because when you read for the part, there's no IMDB. You can't go check the girl's age. You're just right. looking at a tape or she comes into the room and her age is not going to be on her resume because you, you're not supposed to do that. Woman's age, man. What? Nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's reasonable. That's interesting. <laughs> um, but like, it's, a, it is what it is though. It's like, yeah. I mean... I don't know. Did they ever know? Is that ever said? Does she ever say that? I'd like to know more about this, honestly. I would too. Um, but I, I think uh, I have a, a follow-up question, which is how old are people in Starfleet? Like Wesley's obviously younger, but I feel like all the all of his friends in it's that college. Episode it's like going older. to West Point. It's college, right? College, right? And I do feel like they cast people who are in their late twenties. It's interesting. Uh. What, she must have crushed it in that audition. I mean, she's good. And or something weird was happening. Go on. I don't know what was happening. Exactly. I, I, I like to view it as, and this is perhaps my sad worldview where I expect the best in people and <laughs> hope that they uh, were just uh, casting a person based only on uh, talent or... Um, nepotism uh like i'd be like oh, okay if she's somebody's like a producer's niece or something like that right uh so this was 1975 she was born yeah are you checking the math yeah no 75 to 95 would be 20 so 17 is correct the 15th of november so she probably turned 17 the like right when it was shooting yeah so well that worldview matt oh and is... by the way she's british wow that's even more impressive i never would have guessed that um and there we go what i was gonna say is that uh that optimistic worldview matt is why uh myra jellico uh <laughs> took the last election justine chelsea brandy oh. no wonder she went to jc because that way we would never know that she was British. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody knows Justine Brandy and she wants to write in and tell us what her story is, please let us know. Justine is 44 years old now. Botanic days. Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I'm... She's two years younger than my wife and she was in this episode of Star Trek when I was 10 years old. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm just a little disoriented, that's all. Come on, he's just playing for sympathy now. Look, I'm gonna get something to eat and head over to the casino at Bonnestell. You coming? Ah, uh, I'll catch up with you there. You sure you're okay? 
Yes, I'm fine. Really, Martha, I'm fine. Come on, Marty. Get back to high school. Betty's got another date. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> you are incorrigible. Classic incorrigible Johnny. <laughs> I don't. Johnny Picard. I don't love that they call him Johnny. No, it doesn't seem like he ever would have been called Johnny, it's even when very he was a strange. rascal. And the other thing I would have liked is I would have preferred that Q showed up in a full-on Wrath of Khan captain's uniform. Seems that I'm alive. Are you mortals or so obtuse? <laughs> Why do you persist in believing that life and death are such static and rigid concepts? Why, I can take your life and give it back to you again. The snap of a finger. Let's say for the moment that may be true. What is the purpose in bringing me here? You said you regretted a great many things in your life. Well, here's a chance to change some of them. Change them? Do you mean change the past? Q, even if you have been able to bring me back in time somehow, surely you must realize that any alteration in this timeline will have a profound impact on the future. Please, spare me your egotistical musings on your pivotal role in history. Nothing you do here will cause the Federation to collapse or galaxies to explode. <laughs> to be blunt, you're not that important. I won't do it. I won't alter history. Very well! Since you attach so much importance to the continuity of time. I will give you my personal guarantee. That nothing you do here will end up hurting anyone or have an adverse effect on what you know of as history. The only it's thing at stake here of... is your life and your peace of mind. Yes, Andy. That kind of shades to me of uh, Endgame to me <laughs> of like, all right, well, well, whatever, man. We're just going to do the thing and you're going to go back in time and do this thing again and it won't have any effect, okay? Can we just all agree on that so we can move forward with this story? Well, that's what Feige wanted. He wanted it to be like Star Trek. I know he's it's he's constantly pulling stuff from from Star Trek. I mean, generation. Look, if you're gonna pull Do it from somewhere, Feige listens to this. Oh, Is Feige gonna put us in Marvel movies and let me direct? I don't want to be in a Marvel movie. You, oh come on, you, Matt! No, I don't. What do you want to do? You don't want to? Do you want to? I want I want uh, Feige's job. You can direct all of them. I'll take Feige's job. <laughs> well, from I want to be Isaac. I, I, I want to be his, get it. I want to be his number two. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be great for me. Or would you would would you turn against me? No, you would definitely you... start on a Disney Plus series, probably about like um, uh, about uh, Gambit. You'd do like a Gambit D- D- <laughs> right, Disney Plus Gambit series, show. and then sure. and then I'd give you an X Men movie, right? Just to prove myself. Yeah, fair. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All set. <laughs> that's a result. You know what? That's good. That's good uh, Empire running right there. <laughs> that's right. I'll be your number two. <laughs> oh. Before we hop uh, hop away from this, um, here's a question, and it seems like it's just going to fall into the box with all the other questions about Q. Um, why is Q doing this? He's not. It's not like a uh, boredom. In a lot of Q boredom. It's just boredom. Because in a lot of Q episodes, like with the you know, um, which is the one where he introduces the Bork to them. Uh, Q who? Q who? Um, it's like, well, you could argue he's kind of doing it to give humanity a fighting chance. Um, I think there's a little bit of that, for sure. There's always, like, seems to be a little edge of that sometimes. In this one, it's just like, what is he doing? Because it's kind of just, 
it's kind of just given given Picard some th- free Q style therapy. It's like he's uh, not really giving him I, anything. I, I mean, I I don't see what you've seen in this to tell you otherwise. But Picard like Q likes Picard. Like I don't. There's nothing that tells us otherwise. He likes him. He likes Picard, but and he's a being who has lived forever and is immortal and gets very bored. Right. Yeah. I feel like he does stuff. There's Omar. He does stuff for uh, for some kind of implied reason. What do you mean by that? Um, Omar agrees with me. Um, that something beyond if, something beyond boredom. If, yeah, like like with the um, uh, what's the Q episode with Olivia Dabo? True Q. True Q, <laughs> all the Q, all the Q puns. Um, uh, like in that one, it's like he was basically working on behalf of the Q continuum. and didn't want her out there in the in the universe, you know, with Q powers on her own. And they sent Q because of his experience with humanity. Right. So it's like that seems you you can you can plug that into things we know about Q and what motivate him and the Q who thing. I think you can plug that in. Um, well, I feel like if you lean toward the idea that he's helping, he's, yeah, he's helping humanity maybe. And I don't know, I guess you could connect it even back to what you're saying is he doesn't want humanity to disappear because he finds them entertaining. Yeah, I think so. You could also argue that there is an arc for Q of being more malevolent and more like, um, who's the guy in the old, (laughs) this is really just a game of, Hey Matt, what's this called? Um, uh, in the old um, Trelane, um, in the old in T- TOS, yeah, you can Trelane's say he's, he's more like yeah, according right, to memory data. Like Tr- Trelane is a Q, Tr- right? He's more like Trelane in the original, in his original episodes, more malevolent, and then over time he maybe becomes well more like I, friendly to. I do, I do think that's because of the uh, the the waning influence of Gene Roddenberry. You know what effect? What do you think? Why do you think Gene Roddenberry was able to add? Because I think Gene was very much of the of the of the old school black hat, white hat. You know what I mean? I see. And I think that uh, when he wrote Encounter at Farpoint, it was very much like this is our bad guy. He's terrible, and he can do anything. And the crew will still outsmart him because humanity is great. And I think after he goes, you can add some gray into Q. Yeah. Interesting. And I think that they they did. And I think that the it's a very it's an interesting relationship. When I was uh, when it came out, I had the Q collection on DVD, <laughs> which had all of Q's episodes. That should have been some that should have been some kind of thing. At least call it the collection. Well, they had, you know, it wasn't the first collection. There was the Borg, there was the Klingons, there was, you know, there was a bunch of these, and I had the Q yeah. one and I would watch I watched them very often. Uh I am a big I'm a big I'm a big Q fan. But yeah, the arc of their their friendship, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, is is interesting. You know, it's it's really uh, you do. I think you see progress and you see growth. And I think that Q is doing this to help Picard. And I think that Q really is doing it. I don't think it's like a dream, mm-hmm. like a fever dream Picard's having or something. Yeah. So anyway. Back to Q. Oh, that should have been a name of one. That should have been the name of an episode. Back to Q? It 100% should oh, have been. God. 
<laughs> uh, side note uh, on uh, something you love talking about. Uh, not a fan of these, the tan on the Starfleet, old school Starfleet uniforms. The tan? What do you mean? Yeah, the, the part that's flipped over is tan on the front. Yeah. It wasn't Look, always tan. I, it's, I don't think it's tan. It, it is whatever division you're in. That's the color it is. Oh, what is tan? Tan, that is, that is command. So, you know, like, for instance, uh, Kirk's is that color, and then Bones is, is green. Is it? I mean, in my memory, it's white. I think you're just remembering the kid's blood on Picard's, but it's tan. Because I can tell you with 100% authority, there's no way they're making brand new uniforms for this. They just pulled them out of the closet at Paramount. <laughs> um, n- no. Well, at least Paul Winfield's is white. Uh, yeah, Kirk's is white too. Yeah, but isn't McCoy's colored to the uniform? The, um, whatchamacallit? The medical, you mean? Yeah. Um, I don't see McCoy's with his flap down. Let me look. Uh, there's a thing about it in this. I just, I just. Oh yeah, his is tan. Yeah. Interesting. But what is that? But then that's not command. That's medical. They're not all medical people. They're in three different um, divisions, division. aren't they? But Picard's is tan. He's not medical. Right, John Cooley. He has command white, according to this. Picard does? Yeah. Who says that? The, hey, look at it. It's tan. The the, the strap uh, that's holding yeah, but it like, down look, is white. Look at it in Star Trek VI, which would be the last movie in production that they would have pulled these uniforms out of the closet for. Yeah. Like, look look at how they are. They're white. Well, on Kirk, it's white. On Kirk's, on Kirk's in Star Trek VI, it's white? Or are you thinking of Admiral Kirk's uniform? I'm looking at Star Trek Two. That's Did Admiral Kirk. That's Trek a different 6? uniform. It's Admiral Kirk. Yeah, but Captain Terrell is also white. When does he have it pulled down? Um, I think it's in a scene that might not be in the movie. Oh no, it's in no. It's when he's when he's talking to him. Uh, once they Whatever. have the go to Star Trek the creatures Six. Look in at their, their uniforms. Of Star Trek Six. Okay. And then and then. Stop it. <laughs> I, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm looking at white on Kirk. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't mean to upset you, I wish pal. I cared slightly more. All right, we can move on. You're the one who's usually obsessed with, it, with the uniforms. Uh, but, like, I've seen them in person, and they look... They don't look that white to me look my my main point is i don't like tan i i feel like starfleet really dropped the ball here but i feel like uh, that's only supposed to be open in a relaxed state that's not how you're supposed to be wearing a uniform yeah all right well i'll tell you what i do not like i don't like that they got rid of the turtleneck yeah i like the puffy collar situation yeah i agree yeah it's very nautical gotta take lessons or nausical that's the case maybe Space pool, future pool. Excuse me. It's not real pool. It's got a tiny little stick. And a weird shaped board with lights on it. 
Andy, it has a name. <laughs> what is it called? Don Jot. He's winning. Of course. I thought you had a date. She decided to leave. You're getting old, Johnny. Not like me. Not like me. I'm 17. <laughs> we did the same joke. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Very, very nice. I think you should forget about Starfleet and play Domjot for a living. Uh, Domjot, by the way, looks terrible. <laughs> it does look really boring. <laughs> I want revenge. And will you help your best friend avenge this injustice? I did last time. I guess that's a crimp in my, the in my theory. He would win in a rematch. Picard, you cheated. I'm impressed. It's a stupid mistake. And Oskin didn't take kindly to losing. No, she nor his friends. They were outraged. They wanted a fight. I gave them one. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> it gets you right here. That's a great joke. He's talking about his heart. It gets you right here. I mean, look, he's just Q is uh, doing doing all doing doing his best work here. And I'll tell you something else. There's one or two moments in this episode where he goes sort of full Q and is playing real broad, but by and large, such a controlled performance. Obviously, Patrick Stewart is also playing off of him perfectly. I guess that's when I'm They work together to well. I'm giving Q a rave. What's happened to me? Corey, be a still magic. <laughs> when did you start backing away from a good fight? Look, Corey, we're, we're not cadets anymore. We're officers. We should start to set a higher standard for ourselves. It, it was a good idea, but let's just forget it, okay? Oh, my God. Andy, I think I figured it out. What's that? They're ensigns. That's why it's a tan. Oh. Why is McCoy in tan then? Or does he have a different... I think he might have a different strap. Also, both of these guys have different straps. Damn it. I thought I figured... Well, they're, those are division straps. Okay. That's medical and then engineering and then command. I don't believe that the red-haired guy's in, in, in medical. He's not medical. She's medical. Medical sciences. You know, astrophysics, oh, that shit. That makes more sense. I feel like she could have played a Vulcan okay. Got the same. But Vulcans are like 200, you know? She's already only 17. <laughs> Maybe she was 100. That's what's it. Maybe that's an implied it's too bad story. We can't here. Get used to it together. <laughs> the three of us, I mean. Oh, of course. Come. Flowers, is there a John Luck Pickard here? That's the only moment he goes full cue in this episode. From one of your conquests, no doubt. I guess some things aren't going to change. I don't believe Picard had sex with any of those women. Did I interrupt anything? You don't believe Picard what? I don't believe Picard had sex with any of those women. I stick into my theory. Oh, I see. This okay. is all, this is all fake news. <laughs> well, here's, a, here's an image, Andy. I'm sending this through um, 
this is, I don't know why we're still I'm still I'm hung up on this, but only because Andy brought it up. Because you're obsessed with the with the uniforms, like just like I said. Um, but here is literally I th- I think it might be something with the color correcting or the lighting, but this is actually William Shatner's uniform. Okay. From the Wrath of Khan. Uh huh. It's definitely. That's I tan. wouldn't even say that that's tan. That is off white at best. That looks tan to me. Anyway, that went up for auction. I wonder how much it went for. Oh, no, Q, that, you did not imagine. You would. That would have been your dream. Yes. That's your favorite uniform. Greatest uniform of all time. Quite attractive. Yeah. We were friends. Nothing more. I really like the. Is that another regret I hear? My my. We're simply riddled with regrets about our youth now, aren't we? My friendship with Marta is not something that I regret. But you wish it had been more than just a friendship now, don't you? Well, maybe you can change all that. Q, what is it you want? That's my question. I thought you'd like to know that Mr. Zeller has decided not to take your advice. He's in the Bonestell facility right now. I mean, look, in the span of 12 hours, this, this Picard really undoes everything. He really does. He he. Side note: He gets his yeah, friend ahead. all upset because he's not going to help him cheat. Tampering with his dumb job table. Because he's going to rat him out like a real jerk. No. Hey, he's trying to be responsible. But I'll tell the gambling foreman someone has been tampering with his dumb job table. All right. They don't Have give you that way. tan collar for nothing. Vincent Picard. Picard. Can. It's pool. It's it's like pin. It's it's like pinball without the glass on the top. That's what it seems like to me. <laughs> yeah, I think that is what they're going for. He and I were friends um, for years after this. Good. No, please. I was gonna go back a second and just say, um, Q. First, he's in that. <laughs> thing. You might as well just be coming in the room, just going saying telegram. And then later they have a, s- a scene with him sitting there where exactly he's chewing what he's going on for, right? celery, Bugs Bunny. Oh no, I meant the telegram thing. Yeah, I didn't. But uh, I mean, I don't even remember. Oh, I guess celery. he said telegram. Yeah, yeah but uh, it, he was delivering flowers. For, but uh, for John Luck Pickard. Yeah, but later he's chewing on celery. I feel like they're almost are consciously doing a Bugs Bunny thing with him. <laughs> or he wrong. asked if he could do it. <laughs> yeah, that's so... also reasonable. Serious. Do I really seem that different? Maybe I'm just not used to seeing you in your officer's uniform. No, it's it's more than that. You do seem different. Well, I'm not I'm not complaining or anything. I think it suits you. Really? I think they could have found someone who looks older. It's very <laughs> attractive. It does seem that way. I Johnny. mean, the thing that's the thing that's the thing that gets me is all the other Starfleet cadets we've seen do seem older, except for Wesley, who just because of story is more advanced than everyone else. I mean, that's assuming she's human. Oh, that's a valid point. But if it's she's not human, then they should have said that. Well, also like she—I mean, I look—I don't think of I think she she could be like one of these Doogie Housers, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
That's the international <laughs> word for someone who goes and finishes college early. Doogie Hauser. Then they should have played the Doogie theme at some point. All I could think of, by the way, so a bit, I'm past the uh, the kissing of the old man and how weird it is. Yeah. And I'm more to the placement of, of the props, of the uniform and the boots and the pants. Uh-huh. And the next, like, we come up from that and land on, yeah. on, on Patrick Stewart. But I'm just, like, imagining... Les Landau or the prop guy placing each thing. You didn't, these aren't placed with enough abandon. The <laughs> boots are right next to each other. It's like they carefully undressed. This is very funny. Also, I enjoy this moment from Delancey. Yes, this is also really funny. Morning, darling. <laughs> Feeling a little jumpy this morning. I like that his impulse is to cover up. Yes. I can't have you see my nipples. <laughs> <laughs> it is really terrific. Uh, okay, so this goes awry. Uh, real quick here. What's wrong? Well. I thought you were 17. This is the morning after, huh? I hope you don't regret it either. I don't, I don't know. We've been friends for a long time and, and now I'm afraid we've ruined that friendship. This is a nice scene. Then I kind of think Jay-Z Brandy kills it in this episode, so... Forget about what happened and uh, and try to... I wish I could. It would make it much easier to say goodbye tomorrow. Um, You're uncomfortable with it. Shouldn't it make it the easiest to say goodbye tomorrow? <laughs> you gotta go. <laughs> Backing out slowly. I'll see you all later. I'm gonna be an ensign now. Uh, yeah, what, what would have been her plan like she knows they're all going to different ships look i just think he ruined everything but you're not my friend oh no now Corey's upset goodbye johnny oh no now marta's upset and what have i done and then we end up with the greatest scene ever Congratulations, Make it no. You did it. <laughs> Can I help you? Can I help you, Mr. Picard? <gasps> Mr. Wolf. I'm a lieutenant junior grade. The worst fate of all. This is not for me. You should take it to Commander LaForge in engineering. I love the the first thing <laughs> the first thing we see to show how bad it's gotten is that Worf is telling him he's wrong. <laughs> I also, I mean, I like the concern that Data shows. It just shows that Data is just just an all around a good guy. Yeah, that he's even he doesn't wrong. care the rank. I'm not sure, Mr. Worf. What is my rank position? You are Lieutenant Junior Grade, Assistant Astrophysics Officer. Are you feeling all right? Lord. Who is the captain of this ship? 
Captain Thomas Halloway. Perhaps I should escort you to sickbay. Uh, in the first draft, it was Jellico. Is that true? Yeah. That's, no, that's what it should have been. I don't know why they. I don't know. Who, yeah, do I don't know why they had to introduce a Halloway. Who the fuck's Halloway? Have, we haven't heard. I don't know. Look Halloway it up. Before. What am I? Oh, memory man. Alpha. Uh, you usually enjoy and fight for your memory beta opportunities. Oh, oh, sure, Halloway. I don't want to fight for that. Thank you, Commander. I mean, you, well, why aren't you looking up Marta and Corey while you're at it? The visa trouble. Oh boy, I forgot we have the Freudian moment here. Beverly, something has happened to me. Well, I'm not well, sure. Well. I wish it was Pulaski. What seems oh. to be the trouble, Lieutenant Picard? <laughs> what have you done? I've done exactly as I promised. I've returned you to the present. But this is not the present I remember. You said nothing would change. Nothing has changed, Jean-Luc. Except for you. But then again, that's what you wanted, wasn't it? To change the man you were in your youth. Well, you did it. This is the man you are today. And you should be happy. You have a real heart beating in your chest. And you get to live out the rest of your life in safety. Running tests, making analyses, and carrying reports to your superiors. Oh no. I'm not in charge anymore. Life is terrible. I have some Holloway information. Go if you for want to it. Hit the memory beta theme. Oh. oh you don't want to do memory do beta? Do I want to hit the theme? Here we go. That's oh, up to you. Well, let's take a trip down memory beta. I mean, I'll, I would take that as a segment every every time. Oh, come on. Throughout most of his career in Starfleet, Holloway served at the Utopia Planitia Fleet Yards. Um, he was a designer and supervisor. Uh, throughout the 2350s and 2360s, he oversaw construction of the Galaxy Class uh, U- Enterprise D. Um, let's see. Uh, following Enterprise Commissioning Ceremony... He, uh, Holloway informed Siti. Oh, Admiral Siti, yes. Uh, he would turn down command. In his place, Siti assigned Captain Jean-Luc Picard as Enterprise CO. Um, Holloway remained at Utopia Planitia, where he worked on the first design of Andromeda-class ships. Um, the ship was... Uh, and then supervised construction of the Nebula-class ship. This was the Nebula. Uh, this was five weeks... From flight in early 2367, when the Borg, led by Locutus, threatened to Earth. Although Holloway never met Jean-Luc Picard, he left a message for him, which spoke of the decision that he made and how he couldn't leave his family. This is in the TNG story, Meet with Triumph and Disaster, and Trust Yourself When All Men Doubt You. Um, in an alternate timeline, experienced by others, oh, is just tapestry. Um, in a further extension of this timeline, I guess, oh, the tapestry timeline, Holloway was in command of the USS Enterprise E in 2380. He mm. wore a Van Dyke beard. Interesting. In Q&A. He wore a Van Dyke beard, which is the clear sign that he's from the Mirror Universe. Well, there you go. Interesting. Further story in the collection revealed that Halloway was killed at the Battle of Wolf 359 when he commanded the USS Melbourne, having been overseeing its construction. (laughs) (laughs) He He built it, and then he died with it. Oh, boy, and and that was supposed to be Riker's ship. Speaking of Riker, boy, these guys are jerks here. 
No, not at all. Have a seat. Thank you. I'd like to talk to you for a moment about my future on the Enterprise. Of course, Lieutenant. Jean-Luc, isn't it? Maybe I should go. No, please, Counselor. I would very much like to hear your thoughts. First of all, and I would like you to be absolutely straightforward with me, how would you evaluate me as an officer? Well, um, your performance records have always been good. You're thorough, dedicated. Steady, reliable. Punctual. This is the worst thing you could say to someone. What would you say? I agree, Matt. I told you that I believe that I was capable of being very much more. Perhaps we should discuss this at your next evaluation. I would appreciate it if we could discuss it now. You see, I feel Very that forceful. I would like to move Lieutenant beyond Grade. astrophysics. He's forceful because he, he, you know, he's desperate to, uh, I don't know, take another 20 years to become a captain again. <laughs> <laughs> May I ask you, Matt? Yeah? Is the implication here that uh, astrophysics is the equivalent of Hufflepuff in the next generation universe yeah it feels that it's way it's like what i'm in astrophysics oh i really have become a real wuss uh you know it's such a it's like the job of nothing against hufflepuffs guys it's the job of uh the mundane i suppose because you're already in space yeah to engineering or or security something that might even lead to command frankly lieutenant I don't think that's realistic. Why? I really don't think this is the place to be discussing this. Please, why? It's ten forward. What the? F why? What else would they be discussing? I, I don't understand that line. It's very all. important. <laughs> They're just basically saying this I is super awkward for us. More. Hasn't that been the problem all along? <laughs> I've memorized your, <laughs> your entire record. <laughs> Well, that's what—that's a little bit of a writing flaw here. That when he comes up, Riker's like, "Oh, it's uh, Jean-Luc, right?" Right. Um, and then I know everything about him. And then exactly, yeah. here are all the details. And we have a very fully, fully goals, de you know, developed opinion. You've never been willing to do what's necessary to attain them. Would that be your evaluation as well, Commander? I think I have to agree with the counselor. If you want to get ahead, you have to take chances, stand out in the crowd, get noticed. Disobey your captain when they give you a normal order just to add more no, shifts. We don't want to lose you. You're a very good officer. Just not one who stands out. Why don't I talk to Commander LaForge in engineering and see what we can do? But command. Well, we'll see. Senior officers, please report to the captain's ready room. Acknowledged. We should talk about this later. <laughs> what is this captain going to do? He shoves seven people in that ready room? <laughs> Halloway, <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> well, he only knows how to build ships. He doesn't know how to run a oh, ship. Unless he was like, I'm going to take command of this. So he made the observation lounge and the ready room one space. <laughs> oh, could be. He's he like, might have, he might have you know uh, retrofitted everything. I'm going to make this one big <laughs> unit. This is going to be my ship. Then we can just turn it into a party when we're done. <laughs> Also, like that LaForge thing is that LaForge is one line in the episode. We don't even see him. That's is, right. And he's is waiting. just basically complaining. <laughs> just like, come on. Give me a good laugh now, Q. To 
Does it amuse you to think of me living out the rest of my life as a dreary man in a tedious job? I gave you something most mortals never experience. A second chance at life. And now all you can do is complain? I can't live out my days as that person. That man is bereft of passion and imagination. That is not who I am. Au contraire. He's the person you wanted to be. One who was less arrogant and undisciplined in his youth. One who was less like me. The Jean-Luc Picard you wanted to be, the one who did not fight the Nausicaan, had quite a different career Nausicaan. from the one you remember. That Picard never had a brush with death, never came face to face with his own mortality, never realized how fragile life is or how important each moment must be. So his life never came into focus. He drifted through much of his career with no plan or agenda, going from one assignment to the next, never seizing the opportunities that presented themselves. He never led the away team on Milica III to save the ambassador, or take charge of the Stargazer's bridge when its captain was killed, and no one ever offered him a command. He learned to play it safe, and he never, ever got noticed by anyone. Oh, snap. By the way, I think there's only two sides of coverage on this scene because it's an empty white room and they didn't move the camera. They just switched places with those guys. Sure. I guarantee you. I think that's true. Yeah, that would have been smart. You're right, Q. It's kind of... Go ahead. It's kind of... Uh, I don't know if inspiring is the word. I, 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 you know what? I'm taking, a little some, I'm taking a little something away from this. I, I'm like, uh, you know what? I got to... I got to... I gotta stop uh, uh, pussyfooting around. I gotta. I'm unemployed. It's time to turn things around. Get out of astrophysics. You know, to pursue my dreams. Oh, Andy, no, no, no. Astrophysics is not the unemployed of the Starfleet universe. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not. <laughs> They're very much employed, but they hate their day to day job. But I, well, all right then. I guess what I'm saying is, I gotta, I gotta get stabbed in the back through the heart. There That's we what go. I gotta do now. Um, I have another question. Yeah, uh, I think he says I, I wanted something. I want to get into engineering. This was a debate I think we had on our recent security. Voyager, in our recent Voyager pod in the in the bonus pods. Um, engineering or security, something that could lead to command. Is that the path to command? I mean, it, it is because that's what Captain Picard says. I know, but Janeway came up for the sciences. Yeah, so did, so did uh, you know, so did, uh, what's his face? Captain Spock. There you go. That's exactly who I was looking at for. Uh, look, I think there's many paths to that chair, you know? Maybe Some may be easier than others. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Certainly, certainly not stupid astrophysics. That's right. No one's ever come out of <laughs> astrophysics and ended up in the captain's chair. You gave me the chance to change and I took the opportunity. But I admit now, it was a mistake. Are you asking me for something, Jean-Luc? Give me a chance to put things back the way they were before. Before you died in sickbay. Is that what you want? I would rather die as the man I was than live the life I just saw. 
Stewart, like all Starfleet, you talk and you talk, but you have no grumba. Uh, it's not spelled like you think, actually, Andy. It's a G-U-R-M-B-A. Not G-R-U-M-B-A, like I always thought it was. Huh. All right, so here's his laughing. See, he looks, he sees it. He's happy because his life is back together. <laughs> oh, that's what you think? <laughs> yes, that's what I think. So he's laughing. At. Uh, 100%, I, I think that's what they're communicating. And the young, not- and the young him... Well, that's the question. I think I'm partly arguing that in that last moment, that is the him that is jumped back in his body, laughing that his life is back. But it doesn't fully add up because too much of the previous past is different. But um, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. It's just that's theory. why he's laughing. That's Andy's yeah. theory. Uh, then he has a nice chat with Riker. Who are near death have strange experiences, but I have never heard one so detailed. And, you know, there's still part of me that cannot accept that Q would give me a second chance. Or that he would demonstrate so much compassion. And if it was Q, I owe him a debt of gratitude. In what sense? It sounds like he put you through hell. There are many parts of my youth that I'm not proud of. There were... Loose threads, untidy parts of me that I would like to remove. But when I pulled on one of those threads, it unraveled the tapestry of my life. I was just trying to imagine a hell-bent-for-leather young officer insulting a nausicaan twice his size. Nausicaan. I wish I had a chance to know that. Why do you keep saying nausicaan? That's how you say it. Oh, so you're correcting everybody on television. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be sure. Uh, um, let me ask you this before we're we're wrapping up here. We are wrapped. Yes, go ahead. I think this is a great episode. We're going to run it down in a second. I was a little bit bumped by Picard's motivations when he realizes he's a lieutenant junior grade. I feel like... It kind of, I mean, he's, they sort of wrap it up in a tidy bow when they say, that's a, a man without passion or imagination. But it really feels like it's mostly out of ego that he freaks out. Wait, I'm not the captain? I'm not the, you know, legendary Jean-Luc Picard? It feels like that's the main thing he's trying to repair by getting stabbed in the heart. Uh, to the degree that he'd almost rather die than... I disagree. I just feel I I think it's like the nicest way in an act and a half to tell that tale of Uh what his life is like if he doesn't do that. Um, And I think that like Lieutenant Junior Grade is like the perfect fucking rank. It's such a non, you know what I mean? Like it's like Worf's rank the first two seasons. Um, It's like Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander, Commander, all of these ranks above you. Uh, it's what Barkley is. It's Barkley's rank. This is what I'm saying, though. Uh, that uh, rank implies lameness, as opposed to if you were truly. No, it implies. It implies. I think if you were truly um, um, grounded in yourself and and had your own sense of self worth that wasn't generated by rank or legend, then it wouldn't matter what rank you were. 
but that's not what's that's not what's important to him mm. i think it's the lack of the lack of like he's like are you shitting me i don't get stabbed in the heart and i end up like this i end up like a nameless person and a thousand people crew that just but like sur- that just doesn't that doesn't you know that isn't himself like he's not himself anymore He's not. Yeah, I think you're supporting Picard. my 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 perspective by saying a nameless person because he hasn't. It's because the opposite of nameless is someone who cares about having his name known, aka ego. What if like you did it and you got you know this happened to you, right? And you yeah. and you got like you know whatever the decision was, and you go and you undo it and you and you wake up, uh-huh. and you're still in Conan's writer's room, right? How would you feel? Um, I mean, I would be disappointed. But would you be disappointed because you're, you're, you think less of late night that writers? I hadn't gone on to these great heights, man. No, I think <laughs> that I, I think that you, I'm not the famous person. I don't think you would. I think you would think yeah. you would think that because you'd be like, Jesus Christ, I just stayed here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I hear you on that. But it doesn't it doesn't feel <laughs> like he's on the Enterprise. He accomplished something. He's in astrophysics. It's just sort of it's a suggestion of of um, you know importance. Like he feels like he's not important. Do you think that if he had somehow if he had not got stabbed in the heart, he had hair, he would have even bothered asking Q to go back? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Oh, it was the heart that cre- that created my hair. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take the trade. <laughs> Whatever the damage to my life. Um. Yeah. I mean, we have to wrap it up, but also I have to go because Henry's bath is literally happening right now. I understand. So we almost did it. <laughs> oh, we could. You know, want to wrap it up here? Uh. I mean, this is okay. Quick wrap up, everybody, because I got a baby who needs me and. Uh, we got an Andy who doesn't awesome. understand white and tan, and then I get confused by it too, and then no one knows anything about the uniforms. Uh, so here we go. Hmm. I mean, I mean, are we going to give it to Q? No, because I think it's Worf. He's in a uniform. It's Worf for telling Lieutenant Junior Grade <laughs> Picard to go yeah. to what rank he was and to go to engineering. <laughs> I would give it to Beverly because even though it seemed like a stumble, Beverly does save his life at the end. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And not even giving it to Q because he's not a member of the crew. I mean, he's dressed as a member of the Q crew sometimes. Yeah. Crew Q. That should crew be Crew Q. Oh, my God. That's not a thing people say. It just rhymes with true Q. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't. Uh, this is true Q. That's all true Q. I'll give it to... Uh, I was just trying to be true blue. I'll give it to Riker. No, Worf for carrying Picard at the beginning of the episode. Oh, you didn't protect him very much. Oh, you're right. Can't be Worf anymore. <laughs> I guess. What about that fourth? What about that fourth guy who's in the tableau at the beginning with you, his gun? If you forget that the phaser? episode, like if you pull the middle of the episode out, assume it's a fever dream of Picard, then it is 100% Beverly. 
So I'm going to yeah. agree with you, weirdly. All right. Beverly. Okay. How many uh, abuse does this episode get? I'm curious what you say first. Uh, I love this episode. It's a great episode of Star Trek. It's up there in the pinnacle. Ron Moore does it again, writes a great show. Uh, it's a nine out of ten for me. It's hard not to give it a nine. Uh, I don't know if we're deducting points for for casting seventeen year old if we're assuming that they had no idea. Um, I'm 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 just like giving. I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's okay. The um, um. It's definitely incredibly clever and different and yeah. I mean, I feel like I wanted, I would have liked them to spend a little bit, it was a little bit logy on the, on each step to have it fall apart. And there are some jumps in logic that kind of bother me. And I would have liked a little bit more. It's a wonderful life moment at the end when he's on the, when he's in his new terrible life. (laughs) And I'm not convinced (laughs) that it's not out of ego. And a bell rings and, Q gets his yes. wings. But it is such a an amazing, different way to tell a story, and they do it so well with Q that I'll also give it a nine. That was better. Uh, all right, guys, we came back. I know. You're like, wow, we're never going to do a trailer. Well, guess what? Andy, uh, while he was uh, celebrating pumpkin spice <laughs> season, sprinkling it about, he called me up and said, hey, we should really watch the trailer for Birthright Part 1. People are going to be upset. Yeah. So I said, you know, you're probably right. How's your pumpkin spice season going? He said, very well. Yeah. And uh, we got off the phone and started recording. <laughs> I'm just eating raw pumpkin spice right now. Could I have a, a choco bomb? Sure. But I'm just eating it's it. A, it's a, a, I like the vagueness of pumpkin spice. Like, just what is that, really? It's the essence of pumpkin. But it's not. It's got to be like, I don't know. Someone tell me what's in pumpkin. Don't, don't, I'll, I'll look it up. Don't, you don't have to write in and tell us what's in pumpkin spice. <laughs> uh, so, Andy, you know, it's funny. This trailer is uh, featuring. Yeah. Uh, D Space Nine, because in this episode, that's where the Enterprise is docked. No shit. Yeah. It's your fun little crossover episode, like very shortly into the run of uh, of DS9. So not only do you get Jean-Luc Picard in the pilot of Deep Space Nine, but you get a visit to Deep Space Nine itself. Wait, so, is this going to weird me out? I'm going to be like, who are these people? What's going on? You will, and you'll ask a bunch of questions, and then I'll just be <laughs> like, hey, yes, okay, great. Yeah, I know. Oh, he'll grow on you. Um, yeah, I like him. Okay, yes, I know. No, he never talks. That's just mourn. Yeah, I um, think you're going to be much more delighted with my questions than you're implying. <laughs> uh, all right, Andy. So let's uh, play the trailer for Birthright Part One. Uh, I'll count. You count. Uh, who counts? Uh, I'll count. All Why right. not? You're a good counter. Three, two, one, start. I never. We never account for the. Oh, there it is. Space Nine. Two forgotten sons make a desperate search for their long lost fathers. My father is dead. No, he's not. For Data, a bizarre vision compels him to submit to a deadly experiment. You've crossed over the threshold. I'm proud of you, son. For Worf, it's a journey to a Romulan prison camp. We are not leaving here. Next time on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Holy crap! Uh, that is a packed episode. There's just so much happening. You can't even you can't even uh, anticipate how much is happening in that episode. You it can't. Not so. You got Lori. You got Worf stuff. Did the music uh, drop out on that, or is that just my? 
imagination on my side. Did it drop out in what sense? I don't know. I heard the music and then suddenly the music dropped out. Uh, I didn't do it on purpose. If I did that somehow, I don't know. Uh, Uh, Well, the other sound didn't, so it's strange. Well, there you go. Anyway. So, birthright. Uh, Here we go. Let me uh, answer the question that some people are asking. Hey, Matt. Will Andy enjoy this episode? It's going to be a lot of questions. (laughs) And now... Guess Andy's ranking. He'll be like, oh, it's interesting. I'll give it like a seven until I see the next one. Hmm. <laughs> it's like you've been doing this with me for hundreds and hundreds of hours. Uh, is that all? <laughs> Just hundreds I, and I hundreds? I wonder. Is it more? Is it uh, thousands? No, we, someone did it. Someone did the math. It's hundreds. It's they a lot of our math. lives yeah. gone to this episode yeah. of, not this episode, but this podcast. And uh, mm-hmm. you know what? Look, there are worse ways to spend your time than talking about Star Trek over the internet. <laughs> uh, I guess all I got to say is uh, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to visit our sponsor, I Love Chocograms, and uh, let's beam the hell out of here. Why not? Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, Search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.